Hello and welcome everybody to another episode of the Tromedy Hour. I am your host, Jonas Barnes, here in New York City, beautiful Brooklyn over in Bushwick. Um, so it is Labor Day right now uh, during this recording. So if you hear anything going on outside, um, I don't know what to tell you. New York is loud. It talks all the time. And Labor Day especially. You might hear stuff that may randomly go off in the background. Sirens and whatnot and all those fun things. Um, so here at the Traumedy Hour, you guys know the drill. Um, I am not a psychologist or a psychiatrist or a doctor in any way, shape, or form. What I am is a regular person in the entertainment industry that has dealt with a bunch of mental health issues and various different things. And I was kind of always one of those people that was told to be quiet about it. And I don't like that. So what I do is I bring on people and we talk about mental health and we talk about mental health awareness and mental illness and recovery and all those fun things that people do tell you to stay quiet about. So I like to bring people on, have an open conversation about it, get down to the nitty gritty of it, and also talk about what our guests are into and what they're doing uh, right now. So as it is, I'm going to go ahead and bring your guests on um, so we don't cut too much time off the beginning here. Uh, very happy to have your guests on today. Uh, first, first guest, Mana, how you doing? I'm okay. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Having a good Labor Day so far. I'm chilling. Oh, good. Well, thank you so much for having me on. Um, Absolutely. I'm, Mon- I'm the owner of Claws Out Media and Entertainment, the producer of Claws Out Comedy, and a certified bad bitch, sad bitch. <laughs> Love that. That's perfect for the show. And uh, just real quick, you are out on tour right now, correct? I am. I'm on the Sorry for Your Loss tour, and I have driven from Fort Worth, Texas, done a couple stops, and I'm now in Fort Wayne, Indiana, which is my hometown. Oh, nice. And I actually saw a video that you made and you are tired. <laughs> you, uh, you've been doing a lot of traveling. Um, I saw you've been doing a lot of driving. What's that? Yeah, it's a lot of driving. It's a lot of miles. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um, so our other guest today uh, was somebody who was supposed to be on tour with you. Uh, Trevor Carrion, how you doing? I'm pretty great, uh, all things considered. Uh, I'm COVID negative, uh, cleared it in four days. It has to be some sort of record. I'm a specimen of a human being. Um, <laughs> my superior genetics. Thank you very much, folks. Uh, yeah, I'm good otherwise. I was supposed to be on this tour, but I'm instead sitting at my home in Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, home and drinking coffee, playing God, Skyrim we- for the 17th time. Got people all over the country on this one. We got Tulsa, <laughs> Oklahoma. We got Fort Wayne, Indiana. We got Bushwick, Brooklyn. We got my cat that's even chiming in here. He's like, you're doing a podcast? That's cool. I'm going to fuck with everything. <laughs> that's what he does every time. Um, so this is uh, this is your second round of COVID, right? Yep. Yep. Unfortunately, uh, this is um, it's been better than the first one in that I'm not on an isolated pot farm by myself. Uh, it's worse than the first one in that I'm so goddamn tired. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, I slept for like three days. I, I still want to sleep, though I feel okay technically. But the okay. brain fog this time. Man, how are you, how are you more weird. tired not on a weed farm by yourself? <laughs> That's what I'm trying to think. It's like if I was if I had COVID and I was alone on a weed farm, I would be way more tired because I would be way more high. See, man, the weed farm is kind of like an oxymoron uh, when you really think about it, because there's weed, which is cool, incites laziness, but then there's farm. Oh, yeah. Backbreaking manual labor. And it's hard to do that <laughs> asleep all the time. I'm glad you're able to be on to talk with us because the last time I had COVID, I lost my voice entirely, which felt like a personal attack because I had just recorded my last album and then lost my voice. No, That's honestly, the worst. 
Yeah, I would be kind of thankful for the the introspection of having my lose lost my voice. I didn't have any sort of throat or voice loss uh, either time I had COVID. Though now today, suspiciously enough, I, I feel a little throat tickle. Um, oh, it's sneaking in. Did I? Now here's a question. So, Mana, when was uh, how many uh, times have you had COVID? Two for sure, um, <laughs> and then. I think that the last time I was sick, it was just that COVID had knocked me down enough to get the flu. So only. (laughs) Okay. Fair enough. Totally fair. Yeah. For like most of January this past year. Super fun. I got, uh, so I had it three times. Um, I had it pretty recently and then I had it two times early on, but did either of you ever have the taste or smell thing happen? Yeah. Lost uh, both taste and smell the first time. You did. And what about you, Mana? No, not really. Um, I just had really, really bad throat pain and then like body aches, like flu type symptoms. Okay. The, the, the smell and taste thing. So I also had an issue with my voice during one of them where my voice was pretty much gone, which like you were saying, definitely felt like a personal attack on your end because you just recorded your album. But just me, like if I'm trying to do anything, podcasts, literally anything, it's just my voice. You know, I have to have it. But the taste and smell thing was so weird because I live just because I live in New York City. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I'm used Were to. Were you excited s- to smell sewage again? It, in a weird way, I was. Like it was just a blessing it, or a curse. It kind of <laughs> yeah, it was so fucked up because I walked outside and I didn't smell anything, and I was like, that's weird, because New York usually has like for all the things that are good about New York, New York smells like ass most of the time. There's a like, big to it. Yeah, it's a city. Yeah, it just it, it is what it is. So I went outside and I didn't get any of that, and I was like, oh, that's not good. Like <laughs> I was like. <laughs> This is like, I like this, but also that's a bad sign. Like, that's not a good thing. Um, And it happened. It happened quick. So it was luckily I got it back. I have a friend of mine who has uh, who has had COVID for she had it for like two weeks. But her taste like her smell is back, but her taste is still gone. And it's weird. Mine's fine, but like I did try to cook the other day and ended up like throwing out most of my food because I couldn't like I couldn't I guess I can't smell properly because something with the the acidity in the tomatoes was really fucking with like my wanna puke <laughs> receptor. Ah, all right. Uh yeah. yeah that... I was going to say that the throat pain that I had before, like I had a tonsillectomy when I was 26 and I thought that was the worst throat pain I'd ever had. Like it wasn't just that I couldn't talk. It was so much pain. (laughs) I got my tonsils Um, taken out when I was 16 and it was horrific. I couldn't imagine happening at 26. Yeah. You know, it wasn't my favorite. I wouldn't recommend it, but they're gone now. It was the right move. But I just, I thought that had been the worst pain I'd ever had in my throat. And the last time I had COVID was significantly worse. Yeah. This time, I mean, the last third time that I had it, it was definitely less than the other two as far as that goes. But like, it was weird because when I had it the first couple of times, it lasted longer. It lasted like probably, I'd say at least a week. This time it lasted three days, but two of those three days were wild. But then the third day was just like an immediate drop off. It was just like, it went from being like, oh, cool. I'm going to die to like, all right, I'm good now. Like everything's fine. Like I don't. Yeah. I don't feel you know terrible anymore. Um, but it went yeah, those, waves for me this time. It went waves. Is that what you said? 
yeah very much waves where like i would feel okay one second and then like very much i have to lay down um have to go to sleep the next second yeah that makes even sense. now though the brain fog is so bad this time that sucks for comedy too oh it's so bad i feel like a shot and a half in constantly right now Ugh. see okay here's a question we're gonna get right into the comedy stuff on this so with both y'all doing comedy with both y'all you know touring and stuff like touring around and whatnot um mana i don't know as far as like drinking and stuff goes do you drink at all i used to i put my time in i'm retired um (laughs) (laughs) i used to uh i used to drink quite a bit at one point in my life i was taking shots of tequila out of wine glasses but still knocking them back like they were shots so bougie i certainly um and then i stopped drinking liquor in 2019 um because i had a very bad episode and i realized i could not handle liquor and also that i only wanted to drink liquor when i was already feeling symptomatic from a different you know issue and then um I realized I was gluten intolerant, so I couldn't drink beer. And uh, it turns out everyone on my dad's side of the family is allergic to sulfite, so I can't drink wine. They took my gallbladder out when I was 26 as well. 26 was a big year for me. Uh, and then <laughs> I, I kind of treated my mom's insurance like a Chinese buffet. Like I just got everything I could <laughs> while sure. I was still on it. And, um, yeah, and then pretty much the only thing I can drink now that genuinely doesn't make me sick is White Claw. So I can have a few White Claws and have a good time. But for the most part, I just don't drink anymore due to uh, bodily functions and mental capacity. Due to your body just telling you straight up, like, no, for so many reasons, no. <laughs> you just don't get it's to so anymore. Weird. I try to if I try to drink like a Chardonnay or something, uh, like the, it'll just all of a sudden start tasting sour like the taste of the liquid will change to me and I know I'm about to be sick. It's really weird. I don't know how to describe it past that. No, that makes sense. Actually, that makes total sense because whenever I, so I've been sober for over five years now and it was for various reasons, but mostly because I was a catastrophic alcoholic. But um, when I would do the thing where I would start to, where I would start to feel like I'm going to, Oh no, I'm going to throw up that's what would happen. Whatever went into my face, whatever I was drinking started to get that sour taste. Mm. And it was just like, uh Oh, I've passed the point of no return. Like it's going to happen now. Um, so yeah, I, I do feel you on that. And Trevor, what about you? Like you were saying that you always feel like a shot and a half deep now with the brain fog. I don't have like a problem with alcohol, but like, I think I went through like my first, uh, like spurt of like drinking excessively this year, actually, but I don't think I'll ever have like a real issue with it. Um, there's nothing more than like anybody deals with. I think my specific life situation of having had like unlimited access to weed for the last five years, um, probably tampered down a a lot of the drinking I would have done. Okay, that makes sense problem is like I will just black out for everything like for the first couple years of me being allowed to drink I had no idea that everybody was not blacking out all the time well and see I blacked out for the first time last year at 28 where like I did the full-on like I'm in front of somewhere and then I just teleported into my room wondering why I'm taking my shoes off in bed um very scary because <laughs> uh, I... you waited so long <laughs> exactly yeah yeah so well, I used to 
it on purpose. Like I would have a bartender lineup. And then this is why I used to really enjoy drinking is because I knew how much I could have of what and how it would make me feel. So if I was super depressed, I would have the bartender lineup seven shots of tequila. And I knew that would shut my brain off. Like I thought it was like a computer. If I just turn it off and on again, I might feel better. Um, but I was a menace to everybody else in the intro. <laughs> Holy shit. You had it down to a number. You knew you knew that it was yeah. like seven. Seven's the number and I'm out. Like That's what it does. But then it, it changed after my gallbladder came out because I couldn't process things the same way. And so I stopped enjoying drinking because I didn't know how it would affect me. And then when I had a really bad episode with liquor in 2019, I was like, well, well I, there's just no point. Sure. That, I mean, yeah. that makes sense. The and so it was no due to me, even if what it did to me was bad. Right. I think you're the only person I've ever met that says, like, I drank to blackout because that's what I enjoyed. Like, I think most people, like, when they hit the blackout point, that's like scary time. Like, yeah. they, like if they black out, they're like, oh, fuck, what happened? Whereas, like, no, you have, you had a science. You were like, bartender, seven shots, boom, brains hey, off. Like, yeah, that was just me, but louder. Drunk mana is just mana, but louder and a little meaner. <laughs> sure, sure. I feel like it's most people when they drink. It's just like it's just me turned up to the asshole. Like it's just kind of yeah. they say it's turned up to a thousand. But really, I'm just I'm being a loud dick. That's kind of what it is. I like to think I had a pretty healthy trajectory of like skipping casual drinking right into healthy drug use. Uh, fair. <laughs> <laughs> totally fair. Well, weed um, makes me black out too, though. I can't have weed either. It makes me black out. My brain just doesn't want to be here. <laughs> I like that your brain is just like, listen, this part sucks, so I'm going to go to this other dimension. Like, well, whatever yeah. you put in me, I'm out. Like, and see, no, like, that's where... Like, your neural pathways will create shortcuts. So it's like the moment I put a substance into my body, my brain is like, this again. Okay, I'm clocking out. I'm on break. Yeah, to peace. Like, yeah, yeah. We're, you're gonna you're gonna go on idle autopilot. I'm out of here. Let's get out. <laughs> That's where I kind of start hesitating. Like earlier, you'd mentioned addiction a little bit before the show, and like I don't feel like I'm addicted to anything, but I do do uh, like a gram to a gram and a half of like concentrates a day. <laughs> well, it also, like addiction is such a it's it's one of those words that I think people yeah, automatically exactly. villainize. You know yeah, what I mean? For sure. Absolutely. Like, and I think everybody's like, it, it, there should be different semantics for uh, a dependence on because we all depend on things on a regular basis that honestly would qualify as addiction. It's just the legality of whatever you're talking about delineates that. For sure. And like, I guess I'm, I'm for control. <laughs> yeah. There you go. There you go. Well, See that. There you go. Um, did ever and so here's a question for you guys. Did you guys ever were you the type of performers that would perform after you've been drinking? Oh, I still like I do. Like if it's like a show that I'm like nervous about or a longer show, I'll do a shot. That's like my thing. And you do it before the show, like right yeah. before you go on? Yes. And Mono, what so about you? When, when I first started doing Stand up. Um, I'd only done a handful of like performances before I moved from Fort Wayne to Fort Worth, but they put on a show in Fort Wayne at this place called The Latch String, and uh, the whole stick of the show was everybody had to be drunk before they went on stage. Sure. And then they sat me down and they told me they're like, "You have to be sober, otherwise it's just Wednesday for you." <laughs> <laughs> so everybody else had to be drunk, and my challenge was I had to be sober. Um, which I failed miserably because people Fair. gave me stuff for free too. There was a point in my life where I said, you know what? 
I'm not going to drink or smoke anymore. And then everybody gave me everything for free. And I was like, I guess I just wanted to stop paying for it. Uh, oh, yeah. You can get addicted yeah. to getting it for free. That's for sure a thing. Yeah, you, I love a good deal. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you can't you can't fucking bypass that. You got to get the got to get the deal out of it. Oh, Here's yeah, the, the problem saying no to free drugs. Yeah. Dude, like, so the co-host of this show sometimes, uh, sometimes co-host, but a full-time co-producer, uh, Lauren, me and her used to, uh, her and I used to date. We moved to New York together. Uh, we performed together all the time. We met through comedy. And when we used to tour, she had a t-shirt that she would sell for merch that says, I do free drugs. <laughs> and... <laughs> <laughs> we did a lot of free drugs because of that shirt yeah no for sure <laughs> like if we had like a donation bucket or something it would be filled with dollar bills and they would just be pills and it would just be like you know fuck it are we going up or down we don't know let's try like well, it was just it was well that's something told pretty early on which i think is interesting is you get what you ask for on stage yeah, so like sure. if you say that you drink and do drugs that's what people are going to offer you after the show which is interesting like you really it's a law of attraction right but very direct and very immediate it very much is and that was something that the reason i brought up the thing about the drinking on stage thing is because i so i've been doing comedy now for about 12 years so i've been in it for a while i've done comedy all over the country and during the you know seven years of comedy prior to this last five that i had been sober I was a full-blown alcoholic and cocaine user. And like I did, um, I would smoke weed and stuff like that. But the majority of the time I was drinking and I was doing coke. And I, But I would never, ever, ever do it before I went on stage. Mm -hmm. So whenever I performed, like I would say 95% of the time when I was performing, I was stone sober. And the couple of times that I did take a shot or whatever before I got on stage, catastrophic set, like the bomb of all wow. bombs. Like, yeah, it's not going to be what you think it is. You like, so, it's going to go. I had a, I had somebody, I had somebody send me a video of me in a blackout. Uh, and I watched the video back and it was like a horrible night. Like I was out at the club and it was just an open mic. It wasn't a paid performance, but I was crying before I got on stage apparently. And then they called my name. I wiped my mascara off, got on stage, did my set, and it was great. And then apparently somebody tried to talk to me as soon as I got off stage. And I threw a glass and was like, I just want him to be happy. And then ran out of the club crying and oh tried my to drive God. home before. <laughs> but the set was great. You can't tell. Sure. <laughs> like, in a so, full blackout, I like wiped my mascara, fixed my makeup, went on stage, killed it, and then ran outside and tried to drive home messed up because I had a cardiology appointment in the morning. Oh my god! Because <laughs> I was also <laughs> a heart monk. Um, yeah, that was a whole roller coaster. Yeah, what was it? 2016. I don't know. So what's really funny about that that you bring that up is because I one of the last shows that I did, we had a show that we did in um, it was in Pacific Northwest at the time. It was uh, at Tacoma Comedy Club. And um, I went from there to Portland. And right before we had left Portland, me and Lauren, right before we had left Portland, we did a show that we had been producing at the time called Comics Under the Influence that started in uh, Tacoma Comedy Club. But that show you would do your first 10 minute set completely sober and then you would have to take five shots in five minutes and then you would have to come back 45 minutes later and do your drunk set i've done that show 
I did that show like three months ago. Right. It's a show that is very commonly done throughout the country now. Like yeah, it's yeah. It, very much. So here's the thing. When we did that show, I was I was hosting it at that time. I had friends at that show. The headliner for the show was Danger Aaron from Jackass. Okay. So okay. all right. Weird, weird headliner, but he actually lives in Portland. He's actually a fucking awesome dude. But holy shit, can that guy drink? So he was not doing five shots. He was doing 10 shots in five minutes. So he was getting he was getting drunk, drunk. So in order to combat that, we were like, well, fuck, we got to do something crazy, too. This is like one of the stars of Jackass. Like, what do we do? My friends start giving me shots. So I'm doing like I ended up doing eight shots in five minutes. And when I came up to do my drunk set, the person that had done the fill-in hosting at that time, because once I was at the drunk set part, there was no chance of me doing any hosting. It was just like, you know, somebody else got to tag in for that one. So this is his intro. Uh, your next comic coming up to the stage to do his drunk set has been rocking back and forth on a bar stool for the last five minutes. <laughs> Welcome to the stage, Jonas Barnes. And then the lights go out. I completely blacked out at that point, just completely gone. <laughs> I have no idea in my head. Like, I have no idea what's going on. My girlfriend at the time, Lauren, she's videotaping the whole set. Same thing happened. I get on stage. I wipe off my snot off my nose. And then I go into a set that's on autopilot that is just a banger of a set. Like, I'm hitting every tag. I'm hitting <laughs> every punchline. This shit's one of the best sets that I've ever had in my life. Yeah, you go to flow state. It's a weird magic thing that happens. It was so weird. And, like, on the video, I was watching it. It was like an out-of-body experience. So this thing happens, and then I get my, you know, I hit my big closer. People are clapping their ass off, blah, blah, blah. I even end up busting out, like, you guys are in for a fucking treat. Danger Aaron's coming up next. Thank you guys so much. I get off stage, and then I just straight up exorcist style puke just <laughs> the worst yeah. and lauren's videotaping the whole thing and then after i see it the next day i was like oh my god what else happened that night she was like no you were great the rest of the night she was like but i've never seen somebody puke like that in my entire life it was just oh but yeah sure enough that set that was just one of the most banger sets that i've ever had it's i have no memory of it it's completely gone <laughs> just no I'm idea sure but i'm a rallier so like uh, I I did want I'll say this since I'm in my hometown I once puked behind a dumpster because I had chugged a bottle of pucker before I went out drinking on my own with all of the other uh, liquor I was going to consume and I puked behind a dumpster and then I tweeted every bar in the city and I said just puked behind a dumpster guess whose it was oh shit <laughs> and then, uh, the bar that it was tweeted back and they were like we think it was us hilarious <laughs> like, ding, ding. You got me. Also, pucker, what a fucking choice to chug if you're gonna puke. Like, well, our of all things, our preference, uh, take a bottle of pucker and then put it into a gas station flush. Oh, sure, um, that makes sense. That makes sense, actually. Yeah. God damn it, I hate puking. But also, perfectly fine Oof. on its own. <laughs> Yeah, I hate puking, too. This is the thing. I, I think that's one of the reasons I also wanted to stop drinking, because, like, when I puke, it's an event. Yeah. Like, it is not. I do not just puke and then just like, all right, I just like I got to puke and then I'm done. Like, it takes a half an hour of buildup. I got to fucking sit there in front of the toilet or wherever it is that I'm going to puke at that time. Like, it's it's violent. Yeah. It, it hurts. Sounds normal when they puke. It's always not good. No, always I'm bad. Finding I'm 
I'm finding I'm the only person that does this, but I had like really bad acid reflux as a kid. So I don't mind puking. And then I was drinking like a maniac and apparently I was consuming stuff all the time I was allergic to. So I was just puking all the time. Like, I don't know how much of it was allergic reaction and how much of it was alcohol poisoning or who's to say they're mutually exclusive. But like whenever I throw up now, I put on puke music. Um, <laughs> I love to listen to like Bye 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 by NSYNC or I listen to It's All Coming Back to Me Now by Celine Dion. Like I put on some music like if if my fiance hears Cher on and it's in the bathroom like he knows I'm having a, a puke about something um sure. so, about something. I don't know I, I love being dramatic it improves the experience like a soundtrack for anything you're doing just you know hypes you up a little eight mile I don't know I feel like eight mile is a good that's a good build-up one too especially since he's talking about puking up spaghetti on a sweater yeah. like I, you know yeah dude you get into it mm-hmm. um so yeah that's i mean that is interesting how our brains kind of like as performers sometimes they will just go into that autopilot state like get over nerves about remembering material that's in there that's stuff you think (laughs) the material the material thing is weird so i don't know about you guys but like the first time i ever did a super long set like a headline length set i was not too long into my career and i think it's because i started in a smaller scene no yeah so you get pushed forward yeah yeah, yeah. so I, st- I started working out like 30 and 40 minute sets pretty early and then the first time i did a 60 minute set like a full 60 minute headline set i was like i fucking got this it's no big deal i've already done all this material i know this blah 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 blah, blah. and then i realized real quick that nobody taught me about pacing Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> what was I told? Um, when you think you're going fast enough, go like a little bit slower. Yeah. Nobody taught me how to fill dead time when a joke didn't work mm-hmm. in a long set. Because like in a 10 minute set or whatever, I could do that and I could like fuck with the crowd a little bit or like, you know, I could laugh it off or whatever and I could just move into reserve material. But when I'm juicing out all the material that I have and I look down at my clock, you know, to quote unquote, take a drink. Sorry to break the fourth wall, guys. Yeah, I went down to take a drink and I look at my timer and I'm like 30 minutes into the set and I'm hitting 45 minutes of set material at that point. And I'm like, oh, fuck. Yeah, the pace is entirely differently in that longest time, which also is like one of those fucked up things of like exposure where you just have to have more of those longer sets to get to that point. Yeah, Yeah, the I had when I first started was I would talk way too fast. Um, but a lot of that was because when I first started doing stand-up, I was a one-liner comic and I had all of these jokes I wanted to say, and I kind of didn't care what the audience thought about it. I just wanted to say what I wanted to say. Sure. <laughs> I just wanted to say what I had written and had and like have someone be forced to listen to them. So, um, talking <clears throat> slower was something I needed to learn how to do. See, I'm a storyteller. And so a lot of my sets and a lot of my jokes have long setups because I'm leading into something that's much bigger. It's usually something that starts out relatively fucked up and it ends up being funny in the end, mm-hmm. um, which is one of the whole reasons I do this show. But the problem with that is that especially when I'm doing the set the first time, like I, I did not develop the skills to do crowd work with people to fill that kind of time especially if i do a story that's about suicide that's supposed to be funny at the end of it and if a suicide joke bombs there's like that's real hard to pull out of like you can't just go into your next fucking haha (laughs) right not not how that works 
not how that works at all. So I like I had to that was a baptism by fire set. And also it was in a casino runoff room. Oh, well, that's the well, no, that's OK. So that's there are a lot of there. Yeah, a lot of Oklahoma, I do a lot of casinos. We have to just around here. Right. Rooms. There's, it's hard. It's so goddamn hard making somebody laugh who just lost their money. Yeah, it's that. And then also it's like the people that lost out on the tickets to Celine Dion. Let's throw that one out there. You know, Celine Dion's doing the big doing the big thing. Yeah, and, and then also ballroom comedy, which is not yeah. good and, uh, at all. Ugh. It's either ballroom comedy or it's those weird casino second rooms that have mm. like all the casino shit that they would have out on the casino floor. But it's like behind the bar. So it's just loud and bright. Yeah. But nobody's actually playing it. So, like, you're fighting both these people that have just lost their money and probably have to go home to a divorce. And also these machines that are just mocking you with their noises to be like, you're not funny enough to drown out our noises. (laughs) So um, the reason I bring all this stuff up is because I love that you called yourself Mana. I love that you called yourself a bad bitch and a sad bitch. That is. Yeah, that's the whole brand. Bad bitches can be sad bitches. That was something that got me through and it really i mean every day with me <laughs> yeah i'm a i'm a big fan of that mantra um i think it's great and i'm pretty sure that ties into your tour that you're doing right now so talk to me a little bit about the tour what's the what's what's the tour about this time so this is my first tour um the base outline that i can disclose is that i had to come back to my hometown to try to settle some stuff with my dad's estate mm-hmm. and i have to be in town to do it and so I decided that if I'm going to be dragged back across the country, I was going to do it on my terms because a lot of what I've been going through since my dad's passing has not been up to me. Um, And so I set up a few clubs, shows and some independent brewery stuff along the way and tried to make some money and, you know, surround either side of this court date with what I want to do, which is tell jokes. Um, and it's been absolutely incredible so far. Um, we had some really good shows out at the Grove in Lowell, Arkansas. Um, I got to work with an incredible headliner who we hit it off right away, which was nice. And that's always, you know, a good relief when you enjoy working with the person you're paired with. Um, and then, uh, I just did a show in Indianapolis last night, which was really overwhelmingly emotional for me because I first did stand up for the first time in Indianapolis and I hadn't been on a stage in Indy since that since my first time and so it wasn't in the same place but it was in the same city and that just felt kind of circular and uh after the show which I had a good time it was very fun and after the show two people came up to me who I knew from middle school and from high school so it was like somebody who was in my grade his older brother saw that I was going to be in Indianapolis and they just showed up to support me. So it's, it's people that I didn't even really talk to when I knew them, but they saw that I was coming and just seeing somebody from that phase of my life felt so nice. It just felt like a hug. Um, and it was unexpected and it was really great. And so we just sat outside in the parking lot and just talked about everybody that we ever knew and what everyone's up to now. And then, uh, I also have, I did a funeral for my twenties, uh, on 429 which was the last day of me being 29 years old and it was the day that my album unprecedented came out 
And so I love a moment to be dramatic. I mean, you know me, <laughs> we've just talked about it. I put on puke music, like I do mm-hmm. a whole thing. So um, I did uh, a release party for my album and for my coloring book, Millennial Trash. And that night, uh, since I was saying goodbye to who I used to be into a decade of being, you know, in my 20s, and I, I called her Bangs Mana because I don't have bangs anymore. It's one of my greatest accomplishments was growing <laughs> out my hair. Symbol of emotional growth as well. So I had everybody who was in the audience that night write down a bad feeling. And after the show on 429, we burned it. And Trevor was actually with me that night, which was incredible. And we had gone to Goodwill earlier that day and found this perfectly branded to claws out pink vase. And I put all of the ashes that everybody had, you know, helped me get into this little pink vase. And that felt nice for me since I didn't get to have my dad's ashes. And I sat in the back of the green room and just like had a moment with myself and and I had these ashes and it was great. And then um, the next day I found out on my 30th birthday that one of my friends from high school had died. So like I had this little moment going forward and then I had like six steps back because I found out he also didn't get a funeral and that he had passed in February of this year. So um, on the way to this Sorry for Your Loss tour that I'm now doing in September, five months later, I've taken that vase and at every stop, I have been scattering these ashes around. And like, I was at a rest stop in Missouri yesterday and I kind of wanted to be like, it's paper, I'm doing an art project. It's not like my uncle or anything. Like <laughs> it's, not, it's not human remains. Um, and then, you know, since I've been talking to some people and people are, you know, aware of what I'm going through and what it is because I'm not, you know, totally closed off about what's going on in my life. And part of being a performer is sharing this part of your life online with people who want to witness you through mm-hmm. the phone screen. But um, for the rest of the tour, uh, as soon as I got to Indiana, I've been letting everybody else tell me what's going on in their life and they get to take some of the ashes and scatter them. So uh, three people so far have gotten to do whatever they want with these ashes. A girl that I gave them to today told me she's taking them to France on her trip in two weeks and she's going to put the ashes in France <laughs> and oh. to like get rid of her had just gone through. So really, really kind of neat to see what people are doing with it. Cause at the end of the day, everything's kind of a symbol and we do what we need to, to release something emotionally. So I'm doing what I can to be a healthy, happy human being through whatever this is. And then I can at least kind of grab on to, I'm, I'm helping somebody else do it too. <laughs> grief is hard and stuff is weird and like not everything you mourn is actually a literal dead person sometimes you mourn a phase of your life or the loss of a person so yeah like emotionally not physically so no this is i love the concept of what you're doing too because when it comes to like you just said grief is difficult grief is not it's not easy at all and everybody deals with it in a different way but i think the concept of what you're doing with the ashes is really cool like that's not something i've I that's not something that would have entered my head to do and I think it's entirely unique and I think it's also something that will inevitably help a lot of people process whatever the hell it is that they're going through kind of you know underneath the surface and you know that's that kind of is the whole point of this show is we talk about shit we talk about what's going on we talk about our own things we talk about those things so that anybody listening can listen and be like oh yeah maybe i'm not alone in the things i'm going through so what you're doing with the ashes is really like it's inventive and it's cool in that sense too but just on a human level like that's really fucking awesome 
like that you're allowing people yeah it like it gives people an outlet to kind of let go of something that might be fucking with them on an emotional level which is oftentimes the hardest thing to do is because you got to hide that sometimes or like you feel like you have to hide it and you got to like carry the weight of it and it's just that type of shit sucks and dealing with grief especially it's just you're in such a weird place when you're in a grief process because you're open to kind of any feeling that comes in whether that be happy sad mad whatever like you were just you're unfortunately you're an open wound and so what you're doing with the ashes thing i think will help people kind of close that wound and get some closure on again whatever it is that they happen to be going through big or small um it's just it's very cool so um from one person who Mm -hmm. deals with shit to another uh thank you for doing that It's, it's very awesome there is also just this weird inescapable link between Fort Worth and Fort Wayne that like, I just can't seem to break away from. Fort to so, Fort? Um, <laughs> yeah, Fort to Fort. I do think it's neat that like all of these bad feelings that people had in Fort Worth are now being scattered around by people in Indiana. I like that. <laughs> um, the other thing that I have to, we're all comics. So like, I'm trying to get the balls to say it. I've said it on stage twice, but I am also talking about my assault on stage. Um, my goal is to do it. And the full joke that I've written as I've written it on Friday in the town where it happened. And I partnered with nightcap for this tour and they are an incredible product. Uh, I guess they're more than a product. They're really a brand now, but they have um, drink spiking prevention products. And it's like a scrunchie that unfolds so that you can cover your drink and you can play a straw and so that keeps out like roofies or bugs or whatever, pets in general, you know, men, flies, whatever. Like a little trampoline um, for unwanted particulates. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> That's a way to put it for sure. A trampoline for unwanted particulates. Yes, Trevor, you're now their new branding agent. <laughs> you did, you just got the job uh, right, right here, live on the show. You just got the job. <laughs> witness. But yeah, that's what I'm up to. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's kind of funny. Okay, so this is interesting that you brought up the thing about doing a joke about your assault. Because Lauren is not here on the show, but I can speak for her because on this specific case, because we do this uh, we do this show all the time live, you know, um, here in Brooklyn. She has a couple of jokes where she talks about her assault. And they're brutal jokes. Like... <clears throat> It's the best way to put it. It's it's kind of one of those things that I think with her, especially what she found out is that she had to rip the bandaid off and just make the joke about it. Yeah, art's brutal sometimes. Yeah. And yeah. like the humor was there, but it's also it's a tough sell. Like it is for sure a tough sell. And sometimes I'll have to like powwow with her in the back and she's like, How do you think my and like I'll just tell you what the joke title is? She goes, How do you think my rape weight title or joke is gonna go over with this crowd? and right you like you get the giggle oh, just from from the title like but you know that that joke is going to hit people in different ways you know just based solely off the title and it's an entire encompassing joke about body image issues and about assault and about her past with her mom being told she was fat all the time and like all these different things like so there's layers to this joke that are multiple layers of brutal and by the time she gets to the end of the joke, it's a coin flip. Like, are they going to take it? And they are they going to laugh at the, you know, at the at the process here? Or is it going to hurt? 
or is it going to be a little bit of both? You never know. Mm-hmm. It's kind. Of, it's such a. It's a such a weird balancing act with that type of material, you know. Um, but honestly, I, will t- I, I don't think it's just that type of material. I just think not everything's for everybody, and that's okay. For sure, sure. We say the same thing about political material. Like at the end of the joke, are people going to go this way or that way? Like you could make a joke about absolutely anything. We live in such a divisive society where everyone is entitled to their opinion and wants to express it loudly. Right. Um, you could make a joke about peanut butter and someone at the end of the joke is going to go, what about jelly? Like it could be anything <laughs> right now. My kid has a peanut allergy. Like, fuck. All right. I'm sorry. Sure, I didn't know there yeah. was one of you here. <laughs> Yeah, why why was there not a trigger warning that we were going to be talking about peanuts tonight because that personally affects me and my life and my life only and everything's about me right now. You know right. what I mean? Like it could be any Yeah, and that's that's actually kind of like so when we do the show, I usually host the Tromedy Hour live show. Um the one in Brooklyn, I usually host that. And when I host it, I do tell people up front that this show is a show where we talk about our life experiences. So there is a full trigger warning in effect. Mm-hmm. So when I say that, I tell people that up front because I tell people straightforward, there is a full trigger warning about anything that you could think that you could possibly be triggered about. That warning is right here because we don't know exactly where this is going to go with each comic, you know? And when I say that, when I say that type of material, what I mean is talking about things that are particularly difficult subjects to talk about whether it's assaults or body image issues or whether it's violence or whether it's trauma or whether it's grief or whatever, those things that are particularly difficult things to say in public, making those funny is, is a hell of a balancing act. So much of that is in like the subtlety of the delivery too. You can't, you can't approach one of those subjects fearfully on stage you can't you can't you, you you can't approach you can't dip your toe in the water for a subject like that as you're approaching it on stage you have to know you're going into it and have to fully commit otherwise it almost never translates how you want it to no if you, if you... <laughs> part of what attracted me to the performer is his confidence in talking about death on stage really 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 bold Oh, you're you're a death comic, Trevor. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, not strictly. What's that? I said not strictly or exclusively, but no, no, very no, 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 no. But yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Just a, it's a reality. This okay. So this is one of those episodes where I really wish Lauren was here because the stuff that we're talking about is like falls right into her wheelhouse. She has an entire chunk of her act right now that talks about her working in the Manhattan morgue during mm-hmm. COVID. So, oh, that's so interesting. Yeah, because she like, okay, like just to give you a little background of Lauren, she has no medical training whatsoever, um, has never gone through any medical classes. I don't even know if she was CPR certified by the time this happened. But when the pandemic happened, it killed her job, her, um, you know, her essential job. And she had to find essential employment. And so she started doing like the the body stacking Mm -hmm. in the refrigerated trucks and stuff. But she's always been very macabre in general. A and a Tetris. <laughs> yeah, basically, yeah. Yeah. Just, you know, just toss them in there. Um, <laughs> but it got to the point where they needed people to help at the morgue for autopsies yeah. and like autopsy technicians and stuff like that. So she went from stacking bodies in refrigerated trucks to literally cutting open bodies and removing organs. And she ended up being really good at it. 
And to the point where doctors are like, wow, where did you train? She's like, I used to be a stripper. She's like, I didn't, I didn't, I've never, you know, I've never done this. Um, but her experiences at working at the morgue was insane. Like the stuff that she dealt with and that she um, talks about is quite wild. But talking about death, it's like one of those things that, again, it's inevitable for sure. Mm-hmm. You know, well, every- and talking about death is a lot of what we do, I think, is like it's it's playing off of an initial reaction on things that we say. And that's guaranteed to get a reaction. It's guaranteed to get some sort of first initial response that gives you an and, um I've been trying to figure out crowd work recently, which I didn't even realize. Thanks for branding me the death comic. That's super funny. But um, <laughs> uh, I've been trying You're to. You're not the death. I know. Well, I mean, you say that, but like, I've been trying to figure out crowd work, and you have that thing that like all of the uh, strip club comic uh, comedy club guys do. Um, we're like every headliner. It's like a joke at this point. We'll spend ten to fifteen minutes on what do you do for a living. Yeah. Um, so I've been going into this whole thing of like, so yeah, people generally ask, "What do you do for a living?" So I figure I'll probably do that. Started using, and I'll point at somebody and go, "What do you think happens after you die?" <laughs> it's That's just, good lead in. Yeah. No. Exactly. I really like uh, just the initial. I, I've been trying to play with death more in general on stage, just as a concept, because it's so wacky. Because all of us have like these weird ideas about it, but none of us are really sure. Yeah, and it's true. It's a, it's a very mysterious thing that nobody will ever really have the answer for. So everything about it is speculation, but it also allows for imagination. You well, know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's um, it's uh, the the reason that most people still subscribe to any sort of fantasyful idea. Yeah, hundred percent. Existential, sure, but like you know hard evidence there are some things that we know physically happen when you die (laughs) so like i'm trying to get people to think about that kind of stuff about like maybe having a will maybe thinking about what happens to your car and what happens to your pet what happens like because um part of the angle that i'm approaching in this next album is um you know, millennials think we don't have anything to leave behind. And so we're not thinking about what we would even do with a piece of paper saying, you know, what's going to happen. So I'm trying to make, I'm trying to make it engaging and fun and at least broach the subject so that maybe, you know, it's funny, but people go on the way home and they go, yeah, maybe I should look into it. I kind of walk in the lines of that of like, we should start considering our midlife crises now because we're probably not going to reach 60. I mean, it, that's, it's not inaccurate. I mean, like, yeah, you know, like we think we're going to get to like these weird cornerstones that all of these old people got to, but no, most of us are probably middle-aged right about now. It's not. <laughs> I mean, when you scale back and look at it, you know, like I'm 40, I'm going to be 40 this year. Yeah. And it was, it's kind of funny that you bring this up because with me being 40 this year, I just went back home to yakima washington and i saw my family again for the first time in like three years um and certain realities set in on my end not on their end like i didn't look at them and think anything but it's certain realities set in on my end Mm -hmm. because i'm a 40 year old dude i'm a fat dude but i don't have fat diseases which still blows my mind every time i go to the doctor and they're like you're not diabetic and i don't know what the fuck is going on like it just they're very confused like everything about you says that you should be but you're not and i don't know what's happening but i look at these things and it's like okay i have to get healthy or there's no way i'll make it to 60 like 
there's no way there's got to be things hiding underneath this, you know, surface of my body that are just waiting to come out. And like, it's weird because it's not like a fear, but it's definitely something I'm cognizant of. of. Like, I'm like, no, I've got to change this. Like if if I'm going to have a second half, I got to do the second half in better shape than I am now. Yeah, definitely. Like more, so you more feel like a time bomb. Kind of. Yeah. Like it kind of is that like, we are. Yeah. <laughs> Theoretically, yes, we are. But no, I, I legitimately do feel like if I don't make the change soon, it's not going to happen. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Compounding effects at this point. Yeah. And I don't. I, what's that? 28 days to build a habit. Yeah. Yeah. That's you very true. 28 days and then you will you will adjust. Prior to the pandemic, I will say this prior to the pandemic, I lost over a hundred pounds and I was in the best shape that I had been in since high school. And then the pandemic happened and it fucked everything up. Mm-hmm. But when I looked at it, and this is actually kind of interesting that we're doing this now that we're doing this episode. Now, one of my friends had liked a photo from four years ago. That was a progress photo. Cause when I was doing that, I was keeping people up to speed on the progress and like just kind of an accountability thing. And it was like, I'm also putting this out there for you, but also for me so I can keep myself accountable to be like, all right, you got to keep doing this. Like it's working, you know, keep going. So my friend, I think innocently just saw that progress photo and he liked it and it popped back up in my timeline for the first time in, you know, what, three and a half years. And I looked at it and I was like, what the fuck, Jonas? Like you were doing so good like yeah and like i was looking at it going thinking to myself like what were the changes that i made at that time to make that possible and it's kind of what you just said mana about the 28 days to make a habit thing that first month was the hardest part of it because yeah it's also probably probably important to say too like weight doesn't necessarily indicate level of health of course so like I, well, I dropped a bunch of weight when I stopped taking lithium and everybody had something to say about it. Like I didn't post anything about like, I'm making a lifestyle change. Like I just dropped weight and people noticed and they took it upon themselves to be like, you're doing great. And I was like, thanks. I took a really big risk. And also I didn't ask for you to comment on my body, but thank you for sharing your anyway. So like there is a weird thing where people like when you invite it it's a little bit different but for whatever reason people do think that dropping weight indicates like you're thriving my dad lost a bunch of weight you know when he uh, was on chemo so for sure it was just i mean i i also lost weight when i had gallbladder surgery and people were like you look great and i was like thanks but i haven't eaten in weeks and they're like well keep it up you know what i mean like it's not that it's healthy Right, right. And that's like, that is also the other thing about it is like me, the reason that I was keeping myself accountable for it. And when the reason that I was specifically like this whole weight loss thing is because I've been active my whole life. Like I've been in sports my whole life. I've been a power lifter. I've been in football. I did kickboxing. Like I did all these things, but I've always also been big. And when I say big, I mean, it was definitely an unhealthy amount of weight that I had on the muscle that was on my body. And I was there too. Yeah. So it was like, there was definitely like, there was the in between there too. So what would happen with me is I would be at a certain weight and I would be fine. Like I would, my body would feel the way that it would. And I would go to the doctor and there'd be no problems and everything would be fine. But then I started to get things that would happen 
that were abnormal, but they weren't like necessarily medical issues, but they were things that were more difficult that had never been difficult before. And it was just like, oh, maybe it is getting out of hand. No, yeah, and, I, I, I lost 100 pounds and I realized there was a real big issue when I golfed nine rounds and one of my thighs just eviscerated the skin off of my other thigh and that had never happened before. Oh, yeah. It was like a new stumbling block to walking that I had unlocked. The new the new chafe? It was yeah, the new oh, chafe. it was like blood. Like I ruined a pair of khakis. Right. Yeah. That that's uh, so like legitimately there were things that would happen. Like this is probably one of the funniest things that happened that was a um blood red flag was that I got a Charlie <laughs> horse while wiping my ass because I was yeah. no longer flexible enough to do it the way that I usually did it. And I was yeah. just like <laughs> It's like, all right, well, fucking sweet. <laughs> non-dominant hand. That'll work out a whole new set of muscles. Life hack. <laughs> this really is good a... core work for the people. Yeah, yeah. It'll nice little exercise thing. This is actually probably the worst thing possible for my weight, but my entire house got bidets for uh for our bathrooms. So now it's just like now I just gotta like pat dry after I'm done. Like it's it's cool. Like I don't even have to, I don't even have to do the ass wiping yoga anymore. Like I got a whole I got a whole European situation going on now. It's fantastic. If anybody has not used a bidet, by the way, do it the first time and then you'll never go back. For sure. They're amazing. $40 worth spending on Amazon. They're incredible. They're the best thing ever. Yeah, The weight thing is so messed up, though. Just uh, like I lost 120 pounds, I think, overall. Mm -hmm. Uh, and just when you compound it with age specifically, the weight thing starts to get fucked up. Cause I like went from big to like an unattainable level of in shape to now I'm like, I'm having to like realize that I'm not 22 where I was when I initially lost that 120 pounds. So I really do need to start being cognizant of just how I treat my body. And it's, it's, it's a really strange thing. Well, yeah, and it's also like well, what Ma what you just said, Mana, about the whole like weight doesn't necessarily equal health thing. That can go the opposite direction too. You can get toxically healthy. Oh, for sure. Well, there is an undeniable link between gut health and mental health too. So there is also value to saying, you know, there are like healthy lifestyle choices are helpful. Um, you know, if you put Wendy's in your body every day, not to slam Wendy's, any fast food, like if you're eating a bunch of sugar and trash and then going, why do I feel bad? You know what I mean? I just right. um, on extremes and that's one of my mental illnesses. I'm either a hyper unhealthy or toxically healthy. Toxically healthy is such a weird term, but it's very accurate. You it can really get addicted. You can get addicted to addicted to doing things that start off as healthy. Well, I'm OCD. Like I'm diagnosed OCD, and I think it really like taps into that for me, where like it, it becomes a thing where I don't want to do it because I know it's going to be one of those things that's very easy for me to indulge in in a way that's toxic for my life. Sure, I could absolutely well, see that anything right is temperance and moderation that's the that's the thing that we should all be striving for is just balance which is difficult easier said than done it is tough it is tough but it's definitely something i think should always be a goal because like when i went to do the thing when i lost the weight last time <clears throat> i wasn't doing anything crazy like i started to do things this is interesting also because like you were talking about mana about your uh about the gut health thing so I stopped eating processed bread 
Like I just stopped doing it. Like I didn't have any reason to, I didn't go to the doctor and have him tell me I should, but I just stopped doing it just on a whim. I was like, fuck it. I'll give it a shot. And the immediate change when I stopped eating that stuff, I was like, fuck me. I've been allergic to it the whole time. Like, and Mm -hmm. I didn't even realize it and it made a huge change. So I was like, okay, notch that one off. Like, let's take that one off, you know, off of the menu. No more doing that. And then I started also like doing certain things because I knew I like looked at the habits that I was doing where I was like definitely eating too much sugar, processed sugar. I was definitely eating too much garbage, like processed foods and shit like that. So I started like doing the stuff with the diet and the changes started to happen in moderation. None of it was extreme, Mm -hmm. but I can tell you that at the end of that, when I had lost, I actually also lost right around 120 pounds when I started to gain the weight back the fall down emotionally was so bad. Like when I started to notice. Oh, go ahead. No, it's just that when I started to notice, like when I actually started to notice the weight coming back, there was this weird emotional attachment to it that I immediately felt it, it was like a whole new mental illness popped up. Oh no. Yeah. I've hit a threshold recently that I haven't hit since I was, you know, 22 or whatever. And it's, it's, I'm struggling every day at this point to not have an eating disorder. It's, it's a, that's a difficult one too, because that feels like that was something that I always felt was right around the corner for me when the weight started to come back where I was just like, Oh, struggle with food for sure. Yeah. What were you going to say, Mana? I was just going to say a lot of mood disorders are scientifically linked to inflammation as well. Um, I read a lot of studies for bipolar disorder specifically, because that's what I had initially been diagnosed with, misdiagnosed. But I did a lot of research when I believed that that was my issue. And uh, a lot of mood disorders are really, really linked to inflammation, which is interesting. Um, I also want to say, I really value both of you being open and talking about relationships with food and body image and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. Cause I feel like men don't talk about that and men definitely struggle the same way women do. Oh yeah. There's definitely a thing there for sure. Yeah. And I appreciate that too. Cause it is, it's something that I actually had to, I had to come to a place where I could talk about that type of thing because there was a point where I was bulimic and, um, it was weird because i was a fat bulimic yeah like and it's weird for me to even say those words because i think that specific um eating disorder is something that obviously i think obviously eating disorders can affect everybody but when i was like really big and then i would go throw up my dinner it just it was a weird it was a very very weird feeling because i would look in the mirror and i would be like the fuck like there yeah, was a part of my brain it. that was like, it's not working. But then there was the other part of my brain that was like, you're doing a bad thing. You should, this shouldn't work. Like, mm-hmm. stop doing that. <laughs> yeah. Men are so societally disconnected from body images that like we consider ED as erectile dysfunction. We don't even, <laughs> don't even consider eating disorder. No, yeah, we have a whole different thing for that acronym. That's funny. That actually, yeah, it's like, it's like you have ED. That's like, no, 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 my dick works fine. I actually yeah, no, throw, I, up, I, I throw I, up after I eat. Like, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> it's a weird conversation to have. That would be like, yeah, that would be a very strange conversation. Like, it's like, oh my God, you, you were so good last night. You said that you had ED. It's like, oh, you didn't hear me in the bathroom. I definitely yeah. have ED. Like, <laughs> it's a whole different thing. Yeah. Whole different situation. Um, <laughs> so 
this i mean this has been an this has been a great conversation so far so thank you guys for coming on and talking about all this stuff because this has been great um so mono with this tour what's the tour looking like moving forward so you got fort wayne indiana you're in there today but it's labor day so obviously there's no show going on tonight but what do you got going on with the rest of the tour where are you going what are you doing so I actually have a few meetings um, to get together with a few artists in Fort Wayne. Um, Claws Out has um, decided to expand into music distribution for Ooh. people who fit the brand. And so I have an old friend who I'm going to go talk to and work on some music stuff. And then uh, we have the big show nine, nine on Friday, um, Friday, while I'll be performing live in Fort Worth and my, or in Fort Wayne, excuse me. <laughs> um, I'm in Fort Wayne. I am in Fort Wayne. Sorry. I've been awake for like 24 so hours. Many um, forts. So many forts. So many forts. Fort to Fort who could keep it straight. But uh, on that same day, uh, the first single from our next album coming out under closet comedy records from Ruth Banks uh, screwed her first single call a, uh, what is it? I just want some support. That single drops on the same day that I'm doing the live show. So we'll be Ooh. promoting both of those. Um, I know right by Latrice Wilkerson is now streaming on all platforms. So I'm really setting up some meetings and then I'm going to swing through. Um, I think I'm set up for Kentucky and Nashville for some different meetings on the way home, but I don't think I want to perform after nine, nine. I think honestly, I need to take, a little bit of a break um, in the few days that I do have between getting from Indiana back to Texas. Cause I will then be at the Addison improv on September 17th. So I really just have a few days before I get back to doing everything else that's going on in Texas. And I'm editing two albums while I'm out here on the road. And then we're promoting the two that are already out. So there's kind of a lot going on. And then, yeah. I stay busy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a lot on your plate. And also, you, you know, you've got an entire company. Like, you've got an entire production company. And now what sounds like it's also going to be a record label as well. And um, Yeah, so Claws.com records unstable and unprecedented both came out under claws out comedy records in 2021 and 2022 and then um trevor and i are actually going to be reunited in october when i'm out at the uh, comedy arena in mckinney texas so a lot of live events going on um in addition to all of the media side of what we're doing so this is my first year in business but going pretty hard in the paint <laughs> I mean, it sounds like it. it sounds like you're doing a lot of stuff. You got a lot of things on the plate. You got a lot of irons in the fire, which is good. I mean, obviously, what's that? <laughs> Trevor's album is also coming out under Claws Out Comedy Records in the near future. See, there you go. I mean, there's all sorts. Of, you got all sorts of things going on, which it's kind of funny. The area that you're in right now, it's there was a tour that I was going to be doing through that area before the pandemic hit. And then with everything happening with the pandemic, it put that on like on halt for however long but the actual tour is going to be called breaking the bible belt and oh, i love that and we're going to be going through and we're going to be taking this style of comedy through the bible belt and it's going to piss people off like godspeed <laughs> yeah like and that's it was kind of funny because we talked about this for a while me and uh, lauren had talked about this for a while um before everything started to go to shit and we were thinking about it we're like with the type of comedy like you know like i told you one of her jokes is called rape weight when we do these jokes if we do this material in that area like we don't know what's going to happen because well you know what you call for merch right 
Which, you need to sell bless your stickers. You need to sell bless your heart. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's going to be a lot of bless your hearts. A whole lot of bless your hearts. Yeah. So we're actually we're going to be doing that. Um, that tour is going to happen. It's still going to happen. Um, and I think it's probably going to happen. Hopefully, fingers crossed, it's going to happen in 2023. Um, but that's going to be that's going to be a tough one because we're going to talk about all the mental illness. We're going to talk about all the trauma, all the grief, all the abuse, all the all the everything like all the it's going to be completely closet open, all the skeletons out, lay them on the table type of comedy in notoriously one of the most tightly zipped up areas of the country and good old midwest we're gonna we're gonna take video we're gonna film the whole thing and we're probably gonna do it as a documentary too just to kind of see what happens because you never know i just love how you're treating your 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 voyage into where i start and do comedy like it's an outback expedition it fucking kind of is with the stuff that we're joking about it's just like you never know you know you're right so, so literally, as we're talking on the phone, I'm, I'm dropping stuff into a Google Drive because I'm working with uh, a very talented videographer back in uh, Dallas to make a documentary out of the Sorry for Your Lost tour. So as we're talking right now, I'm dropping the video to him. I've been doing it at every stop because we're doing a big video project. Um, when we did the fundraiser before I left, uh, we did a big fundraiser at Twilight Lounge Fort Worth on 831. And, you know, we had a threshold where if somebody gave X amount of dollars, they would get listed. Uh, listed as a producer on the video project so nice. i've got a couple really really wonderful people who will get listed with their name in the video credit so i love I'm, that. I'm excited to put together and it's weird to try to capture content while you're living it but as i'm like looking through stuff it was such a whirlwind getting up here i was like I gl- i'm glad i did turn my phone on for a little bit of it because there there's some really sweet moments like i have just like a little clip of us like skipping rocks at the side of a lake and that's nice and in my normal brain I wouldn't have thought like oh this is content but looking back on it it's sweet to see it's nice to capture it it's it's watchable (laughs) yeah yeah 100% and like here's the way I look at it everything that we do in life is an experience and I don't think that only the good ones have to be experienced publicly I think that even the bad ones and even the hard ones and the difficult ones can be experienced publicly sure. because I think those things can help people. Um, That's almost even more important. Yeah. Cause I think, I think people legitimately are, I know that when I was going through a lot of my shit, because I've been through, I've been in therapy now for quite a few years. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's, it was kind of one of those things where a bunch of stuff was compounding in my brain and it was just like, okay, I got to get all of this out because if I don't, I don't know where this is going to go. Um, but I started to do it and I started to uncover a bunch of stuff. And one of the things that was a core of a lot of it is that I felt like I was dealing with it by myself. And it wasn't just because I wasn't going into therapy at the time. It was because I wasn't telling my friends about it. I wasn't telling my family about it. I was just, it was literally all inside of me and it was festering like a cancer. Like it was bad, bad, you know? And then when I started to look at it from the comedy side of it, where I was like, okay, like these things are fucked up, but I can also find the humorous you know the humorous part of it mm-hmm. you know because like if i start out a joke and say um i'm going to tell you guys a time about the time i tried to kill myself when i say that 
most of the time people are like okay this is going to go somewhere but occasionally there'll be a person that's horrified and it's like yo it's a happy ending like what the fuck do you think is going to happen like (laughs) you're here to tell the tale you didn't do it yeah i mean there is probably worth mentioning the the psychological damage of exploiting your experiences for other people to also experience i think that's kind of what all of us on this phone call do a little bit. So it's important to protect your mental health where you can. Trevor and I met through TikTok, which is interesting. Like the first time I met Trevor, I felt like I had already known him for years because we were internet friends. Oh yeah. Like Trevor, the first time I met you, I think it was at Twilight, right? I think I just yeah. yelled at you to move somewhere. I was like, oh, also, hi, hello, by the way. Yeah, it was very <laughs> weird and casual. <laughs> that is kind of funny. You guys had a, a TikTok friendship for years before meeting in person. Yeah, fucking TikTok. TikTok. Yeah, yeah, fucking TikTok is What do you say? Just fucking TikTok. The general sentiment of that strange app being in existence. Um, what was just being spoken about? Oh, we were just talking <laughs> about. Uh, we were talking about um, you putting your experiences out there. Oh yeah, super important. Yeah. Uh, the suicide thing specifically is something that I have. I've always like. I know that I have to be careful talking to audiences about it because I'm, just the, you just the concept of suicide definitely does affect people in different yeah. ways. Yeah. And like the, my story that I have about it is actually not even an exploitation of the act, but it, can, it definitely can be. It can be something that is perceived that way. Mm-hmm. But my whole experience with it is that I tried to take sleeping pills to do it. Mm-hmm. and the only thing that ended up happening is i cured my insomnia <laughs> so i actually literally failed so badly at trying to kill myself that i cured a pre-existing condition in the process so yeah, it's yeah. like the whole idea of it was absurd because a lot of the times one of the things that makes us get into that headspace is we feel like we failed at something yeah and i ended up having that be the payoff and it was just like all right, brain, you're fucking with me now. Like, yeah. what's going on here? The idea, you know? though, that I think to reemphasize, which is like, you get in this dark little mental hole and you think you can't get out of it, but something to always consider is where are you at physically with your basic human needs? Like, if you're not eating or sleeping or resting or, you know, doing things that fulfill your hierarchy. Like you can't, you can't tap out yet before exhausting other avenues to try to get back to a balanced place. Cause like getting a good night's sleep can help so much. Like I'm not one of those people that's anti-med. I fully believe in taking medication and doing whatever you need to do to be a happy, healthy person. But right. when you get in dark space you go well am i super depressed or have i actually not eaten or slept in days it's the truth i mean if you haven't sleep deprivation is one of those things sleep exhaustion is one of those things that i don't think people realize is as bad of a thing as it is so if you haven't slept for 24 hours like much like yourself right now mana you haven't slept (laughs) for quite a while so the exhaustion hits really hard but then once you start getting past that 24 hour period of time and you start getting into 36 hours into 48 hours like it's no longer just exhaustion it's now like you you start to have thoughts and feelings that are not necessarily organic you know it's because you haven't fed your brain oxygen and yeah you can you can seem intoxicated (laughs) A thousand percent. Yeah, there's like you 100% can feel drunk if you haven't slept for 48 hours. Like, 
I've had that happen before. Um, full disclosure, it was because of the amount of cocaine that I had done. Uh, yeah, but do. listen, <laughs> whatever the reason was, I didn't sleep for a long time. And then uh, after that, yeah, my brain was like, it's like, well, I haven't been drinking, but I definitely feel fucked up. And then I slept for like 14 hours and I woke up like a whole brand new person. Like, <laughs> you know, it was just like weird. I don't feel sad anymore. I don't feel I don't feel like shit anymore. I mean, yeah, I haven't done any coke today, so that's probably also true. But still, I feel much better, like much, much better after not sleeping for 48 hours. And uh, it's the same thing with food. If you haven't eaten like I've done fasting and stuff before, that's a whole different animal like that's. I don't necessarily recommend it. It works for some people, but it's a fucking it's 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 wishy-washy for sure. Um, but if you haven't eaten for 24 hours, your body and your mind start to both play tricks on you. Well, like a thousand percent. That even goes to the subtler version of like nutrition. Like you can eat, but actually not provide your body anything. And it's that is also has like super decorative effects on your like your mental state and thinking. Wait. So you're yeah, saying if I only problem. you're saying if I only eat Reese's peanut butter cups for 24 hours, I'm gonna feel like shit. Oh, it's a problem. That's weird. It's crazy. It's a problem. Uh, well, I was drinking. Done. I was drinking a lot of water, but I wasn't actually hydrated. Like I was drinking a lot of emotional support water, and I was still dehydrated. <laughs> so now I have sure. salt pills. Yeah, that's absolutely thing. Isn't that weird too? If you drink a shitload of water and then you're still retaining water, like you're. Your body, it's like your body's rejecting actually absorbing the water. It's just like I'm gonna, gonna hold it. <laughs> yeah, I'm, just gonna, I'm gonna hold on to this just to make you feel like an asshole for not drinking. Or... There was a little piece of me because it's like you know when you say you're depressed, people are like, "Well, are you drinking enough water?" And it's like, "Yeah, bitch." Turns out it's the real thing. I'm drinking <laughs> so much. Water. Yeah. Also, that's what's always funny to me about depression is if I if I say that I'm depressed, they're like, I oh, should cheer up. It's like, bitch, it's not sad. That's not what depression. It's not just sad. Like if if I could just go. Sure. I'm going to go. Uh, I'm going to go rub one out and just feel happier. Like that's not that's yeah. not how that works. <laughs> you can't think yourself out of a broken leg, but you can do things that will help that broken leg heal. You can create the optimal situation for the leg to become better. So even for if sure. you have this depression, you could create the situation where you make small healthy choices every day where you go is this going to make me feel better or make me feel worse because like a lot of the time when i'm sad or i'm about to like be on um <laughs> be be in a very stressful tour situation i want to eat a bunch of ice cream but i know that won't make me feel better <laughs> right so my my urges are not necessarily what my body needs <laughs> Right. And that's also, again, that, that I fully agree with that. And if one of the things that happens, I think with me, especially is that if I start getting into that weird brain space, I will absolutely default to junk. I'll, I'll default default to comfort junk is what it is for me, where it's like, if I have a certain well, we junk food, that. we should also bring up fully that caffeine is a drug. Like I didn't really drink coffee until the past like year and a half. And I'll mm -hmm. have days where I'm just like, oh, why am I the worst? Why do I feel like I have absolutely no energy at all? And because I'm not an everyday diehard coffee drinker, I'll like get halfway through my day and go, oh my God, I didn't have coffee. Caffeine's a whole drug. <laughs> like, no, I feel like yeah. a very different person if they don't have it. I actually, I, I ended up having a thing in my act where I talked about, you know, with the sobriety stuff where I'm like, I'm not addicted to cocaine anymore, but I am addicted to bang energy drinks, which is arguably worse. That's a thing with AA guys fucking energy drinks and cigarettes man 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like my dad was a hardcore <laughs> addict, so I like <laughs> you know all about it. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, with like if you look at something like Bang Energy Drink, they have 300 milligrams of caffeine in them. And yeah. like I don't think people realize how much caffeine that actually is. No, yeah, like, you get the jitters, heart palpitations, and you have to struggle to not shit yourself. That's a drug. Right. And then if you if you do that for three days in a row and then stop one day, your body's like, what the fuck is happening? Like, yeah. It's just, like, it's I got a, ca- I remember fucking like, bang. Yeah. I remember I got a caffeine migraine the first time and I was like, oh, shit, like this is a problem. Like yeah. and then it, sure enough, as soon as I got like I took I, I think I drank like a quarter of the energy drink, migraine went away and I was like, oh, fuck, like this. It's a new drug. Some oh, yeah, that's, this is what they talk about yeah. with heroin. Yeah, it's, well, it's a, lot a whole drug. Were, like, I was having uh, these really energetic swings, and they were negative. And then I realized after documenting all of my symptoms, like, I tracked all of my symptoms for, like, three months in a journal. I had an activity log of what I did, ate, drank, felt, saw, watched, you know, heard. And uh, it turned out that my diagnosis was was PMDD. And so I was having my swings based on not having birth control hormone for a week at a time. And I was having super steep drop-offs. So, you know, just something very simple as like just observing how you are and what you're consuming and how that's affecting you. Like, I think a lot of us go to a doctor's office, we sit down for an hour and go fix me but they're not the one that's with you all the time. Like you have to be invested in your own health if you're going to fix yourself. Cause the bottom line, the hard line is that nobody cares about you the way you need to. No, yeah. You got to spend real money to find one of those white ladies. There's <laughs> <laughs> a whole different level of white lady money. Yeah. That's like, <laughs> yeah. Unaccessible white people. lady. Mm-hmm. I, well, I tried to figure my own body out like a science project. It was like a crime scene. I also, I had a, I had a whiteboard in my kitchen for a long time and it just said like blank day since last emotional incident because I was trying to figure out what was going on with me. And then we finally yeah. landed on a PMDD diagnosis, which has been correct. <laughs> you eat incredibly healthy now, though. Hmm. You eat incredibly healthy now. Yeah. And we like to. I mean, I don't think there's, you know, it's Very kind of impressive. Fun. I aspire to it. Yeah. It's one of those things. Food is such a weird thing because people can get addicted to certain types of things that are in food and not even realize it. And especially when it comes to processed food and stuff, there's all sorts of garbage that you can get addicted to that's in the food. And so when you stop eating, whatever it is, that thing that you were eating and you start to get weird, like jitters, or you start to get headaches or you start to get these weird feelings and everything. And it's because you didn't realize that insert chemical here that is in that shitty food is the thing that was addicting the whole time so that when you start to change over to you know like if you're eating really good like mana like that's when you start to eat real food your body starts to react to it very well like you're like oh like oh shit nutrients thank you so much like i didn't know what these were for so long yeah (laughs) even down to the microbiome that mana was talking about just to like the you attune the microbacteria in your stomach to actually crave whatever you're eating so like you develop a culture inside of your stomach that's that bacteria that's used to eating what you're eating and then your bacteria in your stomach has a crazy way of controlling your brain through some sort of insane um symbiotic brain meld i'm not really sure how much of us we're actually in control of but that's the gut bacteria actually has a lot to say of what you crave 
So are you saying that our gut bacteria is like the uh, is like the symbiote from Venom? It I really guess. is <laughs> in like a crazy way. <laughs> um. So before we wrap up the episode here, since we're talking about food, I want to ask you guys, both of you guys, a question. And uh, I'll put you on the spot on this one because we didn't talk about this ahead of time. What do you think is the sneakiest, quote unquote, healthy food that is not healthy or like or that has not as much of a healthy, uh, a healthy thing that people thought it did? Oh, like juice. Juice is oh, a good yeah. one. Juice is just shitty Coke. It's not carbonated. Just drink Coke. Yeah, it's just fucking, yeah, it's uncarbonated soda. Yeah, just drink a Coke. Yeah, yeah. Mana, what did you say? What's yours? Oh, my. Well, my juice is good. Juice is the one that I would have said, too, because, um, like, when I started looking at stuff, the last time that I had COVID, because whenever I was sick before, I would want orange juice. And like, I just like, I craved that. And then once I started paying more attention to like the carbohydrates and sugars and actual nutritional content of things, I turned around and looked at the label and was like, oh my God, this is yeah. so bad for you. This is worse well, than a soda. Mine is anything that actually tastes good. If it tastes good, <laughs> it's probably bullshit. <laughs> Look at the sugar. It's not good. Right, right. Like this tastes so good. Like Even when you start putting sugar replacements into it, it's so funny because I work during the day sometimes as a brand ambassador so i have to tell people about certain new products and stuff like that and my boss uh is kind of the owner of the company but she's not the owner of the brands so mm-hmm. sometimes she'll just sign on with the brand and she won't know up or down as far as like what the brand tastes like or whatever so i'll be getting the baptism by fire in the store and i'll like crack open one of these things that's like a zero sugar whatever the fuck it is and i'll take a drink of it and i'm like oh my god that is full of monk fruit sweetener i was like that jesus you know and like so i'll have to text my boss and be like we have a problem she's like what i'm like this tastes like shit (laughs) just is not good and she's like what's the problem i'm like it's full of this thing like it's the aftertaste is bad like it's just full of this thing you know so it's not really like something that's bad for you, but it is a food secret. So like if you just go to the grocery store and shop the perimeter, like you can eat very good food for very minimal effort. For well, yeah, actually cook. Like, but the, the price of it, like Ian and I eat really well, but it's because we're willing to just put in a, you know, 20 to 30 minutes on a meal and it costs us significantly less than fast food does. Yeah, like significantly less for much better food. I think that there's this idea that like if you go through fast food, you're getting stuff cheaper too, but you're not anymore. I mean, it costs like fifteen dollars to eat at Whataburger. You can eat a steak for less than ten. I mean, yeah, you're not wrong on that at all. Like fast food has gotten way expensive, and I think it's because they know that they can charge that amount of money for it, and people are still going to buy it because, as we talked about, people are addicted to it. It's it's well, full of stuff that. Can- it's like you know we we eat you know vegetables and stuff but it's it's cheaper it's cheaper to eat better <laughs> it is it truly is um the one and so the thing that i was going to say for my sneaky sneaky health food is kombucha oh granola bars too i guess are not super good for you granola bars for sure but here's yeah. the thing here's the thing about kombucha kombucha is I like I'm not I'm not anti kombucha. I actually do drink kombucha here and there, and I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. I'm listening to this kombucha slander, but it is sneaky <laughs> in the sense 
it's sneaky in the sense that it is full of sugar. Oh yeah. And people, and people, yeah, people don't realize that it's full of sugar because you have to have sugar to make it anyway. Yeah. But you're averaging like 16 to 20 grams of sugar for a bottle of kombucha. And most of it does not taste like that. Yeah. You're better off eating kimchi or something like that for probiotics. Right. And that's like, so when I say a sneaky thing, I think that somebody that's going in there thinking they're doing like low sugar or that they're thinking like if somebody tells them like you can, like if they go to a doctor or a nutritionist or whatever, and they say they have to avoid sugar and then they're like, Oh yeah, I'm going to go have a kombucha. And it's like, Whoa, like you fucking didn't even read the label. Like mm-hmm. yeah, it, it's, it's full of sugar. Um, it's not necessarily bad sugars, but what's up? A lot of vitamins are not like FDA approved. Like all those health supplements and stuff, they're just in the grocery store. Right. Yeah. They're just bullshit straight up. Like half of them are just like, I don't know. I think this is vitamin D complex that maybe, I don't know. Like (laughs) that's also the thing with like GNC and stuff like that. GNC, um, those type of stores, if you go in and look at all their supplements and stuff, They'll have like everything in big, bold, awesome writing. And then at the very, very bottom of it, it's like FDA does not approve these. <laughs> yeah. You it's go in there a, and you take a, like a water pill and you're just like, now I have a really a lot better of an erection. So I don't know what pill I actually took, but I guess thanks, GNC. Like, <laughs> Thanks, GNC. <laughs> cured my ED. Yeah, I think you bamboozled me a little bit here. I was going for a, I was going for a salt release, but sure. <laughs> Um, well, this has been a fantastic conversation, guys. Thank you both of you for coming on to the show. Um, Thank you for having us. Of course. I appreciate you guys bearing your souls on here and talking about the things that, you know, most of the time people are afraid to talk about. So I, uh, I appreciate that a lot and on the tour and on the, uh, on the company and the label and everything, um, both congratulations and good luck on that, Mona. (laughs) (laughs) I know it's your yeah, first all year. Of, all of our information is at uh, clawsoutcomedy.com. Um, personal information about me and my uh, coloring book, Millennial Trash, that goes with Unprecedented, is at monacomedy.com. And uh, Trevor and I will both be together soon in McKinney, Texas. So even though it didn't work out with the Sorry for Your Lost Tour, also I will have to say, um, as soon as I told my fiance that Trevor couldn't come with me, he gets this face and he goes, sorry for your loss. I was like, yeah, okay. I got it. <laughs> <laughs> just waiting for it. Just, I was just trying to die for the brand. That was. Yeah. Just for the cause. Trevor <laughs> was, he was trying to, re- he was really trying to hammer home the realism of yeah. the, of the name of the tour. <laughs> yeah. And then yeah. October was going to come around and I was going to do a set via poltergeist or something yeah sure it was going to be an afterlife set it was going to be the thing that people are afraid of when i say that i'm doing a suicide joke it's going to be the thing that they were afraid of like oh this is a weird show now like (laughs) i would think those jokes would kill but whatever um (laughs) but um ching Uh, definitely um come visit us when you're on your uh breaking the bible belt tour yeah that's gonna be that's gonna be an interesting one and also by the way one of my one of my business partners one of my really good friends another comic named brian terrio um is a louisiana comic originally um he's from new orleans um and also he he was he grew up in texas but he was an adult in new orleans is the best way for me to put it um so we actually are probably going to be doing a tour of like that area too so like texas louisiana and stuff like that so 
we're going to be coming through there. And also, uh, Mana, our mutual friend, uh, Janae, um, I've been talking to her a lot too. And I think when I do the tour or when I do even, it's probably going to be like a mini tour. It's probably just going to be mostly just Texas and new Orleans. Um, but when I come down there, um, you know, maybe we'll link up and do a show or something, uh, around that area too. So should well, be fun. I feel like we are all on this phone call, very on brand with each other. So I feel like <laughs> I am it too. sure that we'll all cross paths very soon. I'm sure sooner rather than later. Yeah, absolutely. And Trevor, what else you got going on uh, after the tour? You got anything else that people can look out for? Um, just some local stuff. I'm doing some stuff at Vanguard Theater here in Tulsa, uh, November. Uh, other than that, I'm on TikTok a lot. I'm scheduled wherever I can be. Sweet. What's your TikTok? Just so I can. Uh, Trevor Carry On. Trevor with an E Carry On. C A R R E O N. Sweet. And child support coming out soon. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. do have going to out soon. Uh, it's called child support. Awesome. Well, this has been fantastic. And everybody listening to the Tromedy Hour here today, please go seek out their stuff. This They're doing great things. Um, the tour is awesome. Like, just the whole concept of the tour is something that I fully support and i'm very very happy that you're doing it everything that you're doing with the ashes is just that's so incredible um so just you got my full support and the full support of everybody here at the traumedy hour for that so thank you very very much of course yeah it's uh the pleasure is all mine so it was super it was awesome happen having you guys on the show here looking forward to seeing what happens with the rest of this tour really looking forward to seeing what happens with the label and with the company and trevor when that new album drops uh we're going to be pushing that out everywhere too so oh, thanks um, for having me. of course uh this has been the traumedy hour if you guys anybody have any questions or if you guys are feeling it if the world is just being an asshole to you and you need to talk it out feel free to hit me up um, you guys can always do that on Instagram, on Facebook. Um, you could do it on Twitter, um, but you know, you gotta, you got limited characters on that one. So if you got a particularly large amount of shit going on, I don't know if you're going to be able to do it on Twitter, but definitely hit me on Instagram and Facebook. And by the way, on Facebook, I tend to say things that Facebook doesn't like occasionally. So if you ever want to find me on Facebook, it is always the one that is under my name, Jonas Barnes, that has a profile picture of Guy Fieri's body with Willem Dafoe's face because I think everybody needs nightmare fuel when they go to the profile immediately. So you can always message me on there. Always down to listen, never down to judge. Uh, So if you got anything going on and you just need to get it out of your system, I'm an open book. So go ahead and do it. But this has been the Tromedy Hour. You guys have been fantastic. Our, uh, Our guests, Trevor Carrion, Mana, thank you guys again for coming on. And uh, we will see you guys again next week with some more Tromedy. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks.